been to the Albert Hall with a ticket for a seat, and I remember being excited by having a, a, a seat assigned because I didn't want to stand up. I don't like standing up. Uh, but I can't remember for the life of me why I went. That's really upsetting. I wonder what I saw. It wonder, wasn't for a prom. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have gone to a prom. I'm not that middle class. Did you go to one of those uh, legend um, tennis games that they often have? <laughs> was it my no, it was yeah. the music? Was it my it was speaking the, tour? It no. Was it, was it? It might have been Chinch unplugged. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, Chinch should be unplugged. <laughs> I don't. That's really upsetting. I keep having these moments now where I. I remember doing things vaguely, but I've completely forgotten that I've done them. That's age. It's upsetting. Um, it's not very nice. And also the Class A drugs that you tend to uh, to ply yourself with on that, a regular basis. I just want to make that abundantly clear. That is not true. Because <laughs> I can understand if you if you said, well, I was at that ground, but I can't remember who was playing each other. That's understandable. No you go to the Albert Hall. Because I've been to the Albert Hall. I can't remember what was I watched, the though. annual Yorkshire <laughs> Maybe it's the Albert Hall. Maybe it's like a... Bermuda Triangle for the mine. No, he's, I know it's the annual Yorkshire trip out for the um, National Brass Band competition. Uh, no, I mean, I'd remember that. <laughs> I, think I'd, I'd, I think I went to see some sort of version of the Beach Boys or Michael Bublé. Those two things very much on a musical plane. Was I think it, most was it the Back Boys that you went to see at the no, Royal Hall? No, I can't remember. It's no. really, this is going to really annoy me for a long time. I will bring this up again during this podcast. This is Set Piece Many, the podcast where four friends talk football over food. Joining me, Hugh Ferris, are Andy Hinchcliffe, always early, Stephen Wyeth, always late, and Rory Smith, no concept of time whatsoever. <laughs> uh, the food um, has been provided <laughs> and already finished. It's not fair. Uh, because, um, I, you know, you know um, we all live, like, well, three of us, live local to a Tesco's and as you go in to Tesco's on the left hand side uh, there is a Krispy Kreme offering which as most people know are massively overpriced but very tasty donuts um, on the odd occasion there is a temporary stand with Tesco's own very cheap not at all overpriced uh, donuts you'll be pleased to know everybody I bought the cheap ones and Good. they have already been hoovered up by the likes of uh, Andy Hinchcliffe, who is puzzled at the fact that they cost £1.20 for four. Yes, but I didn't eat mine as quickly as Mr. Smith. You just inhaled yours and it was gone. What, what, one thing I've learned from fatherhood is that Ed likes food that you have more than he likes his own food. So you have to be pretty quick so in, you're, the, you're, you're in the winter denying Smith a household. small child... To sustenance to get yeah, any food. Yeah. No, I don't necessarily want him to eat what I'm eating. Just what I'm eating might have refined sugars in it, mm. for example. Mm. So you get very used to either eating clandestinely, so kind of walking around with a biscuit in your mouth that you pretend isn't in your mouth, so he can't see the little idiot, <laughs> or or you kind of just eat really fast so that if he has a couple of bites, mm. he's he's satisfied. But the bulk of the stuff he is not eating. I thought that Roy was going to invoke uh, one of Jack Reacher's most famous qualities, which is that you never know when you're next going to eat, so make sure when you do eat, you eat well. Yeah. It, that's a good rule. That's I would also rule. I mean, I would also suggest that I, I live by that rule. <laughs> well, and also go, never are. miss a chance to headbutt. <laughs> you are becoming more and more like Jack Reacher, Rory, every single day. Are you? Um, no. <laughs> I'd, um, maybe. Please do not forget our live show, which is on the 13th of November. The 100th episode is coming sooner than you expect, sooner than we expect. We need to do some planning and some work for it. The 13th of November, part of the Manchester Podcast Festival at the Anthony Burgess Foundation, which is in Manchester City Centre. If you'd like tickets, they are available via the Manchester Podcast Festival website. They are priced at just 10 English pounds. Is Anthony Burgess the spy? I've not thought to Google Anthony is he Burgess, the Burgess whether he has a foundation. Is he the Burgess in Burgess, Philby and McLean? Or is he in some way connected to the charlatans? Or both? Uh, should we not just do what we recommend others do and just Google it? Who wrote The Clockwork Orange? 
Yeah, that's what that's what I thought. Is it, it, was. Is, is it that guy? Yeah, that's what I thought. I think, it was. I'm sure he's a Burgess. Is he a Mancunian? Hang on a second. Uh, I don't know because I don't know who he is. Former footballer shock, as he is the literary reference that we were searching for. Stephen, it's happening. There's a lot of tension. Bear with. He looks like he could either have written the Clockwork Orange or be a spy. Mm. I say spy. Mm. What that Burgess is most famous for was, of course, being a traitor. Yes. (laughs) Would be odd for him to have a foundation. It would be weird for a traitor to have a foundation unless it was sponsoring kind of the, advan- the, adva- the general advancement of treachery. Yes, y- young traitors apply here. Um, get in touch with the podcast uh, at Set Piece Menu if you're a traitor or you're not a traitor or you'd like to be a spy. Setpiecemenu at gmail.com or via Facebook. The suggestions for our so underrated they're rated 11 continue to come in. Alan Shepard, not the astronaut, offers Jeannie <laughs> Vinaldum. Um, and yep. he also suggests that underrated goes hand in hand with not racking up tons of goals and assists or maybe even fantasy football points in how we assess mm. them. Hence the prevalence of underrated defensive midfielders and fullbacks until the advent of the likes of Trent Alexander-Arnold. Mm-hmm. Um, Eugene Mackey has been working very hard. He has a full 11 for us, uh, prefixed with this. Can't believe you didn't mention Son Heung-Ming. Well, we did, didn't we? But we did it last week. The player who, were he Brazilian, Dutch or English, would be talked of in the 120 to 140 million pound range and he'd be keeping Sadio Mane out of teams of the year. My actually rated, underrated 11, says Eugene, Jan Oblak, Cesar Piliqueta, who will be the forever fullback in this team, Ben Mee, Johnny Evans and Fauzi Gulam. That's uh, your back four. Fernandino, Fernandinho, Gini Wijnaldum, and James Milner. And then Jose Callejon, Mario Mandzukic, and Son Hyung Min. To this day, he says, you'll hear the occasional pundits say, you'll never believe that the best keeper in La Liga actually plays for Atletico. This despite the endless rewards and praise. However, his best keeper in the game rating on FIFA, and he has been announced as that in the last few weeks, may now have propelled him into the just plain rated. I'll leave that to you to pick over. Adore the show... Says Eugene at the end, not at the beginning. Don't bury the lead, Eugene. Always nice to hear from a Napoli fan, by the way. Yeah, but Fauzi Dulam's brilliant, but Fauzi Dulam is is just rated, isn't he? Yeah, he's he's rated just fine. Yeah, he's... Which is is highly. And there's the other Napoli player, obviously, Kai Hon, who I would say probably fits the bill. Yeah, a little bit more so. Often overlooked, but enough people say that he's underrated that he is rated. I'm I'm still not on board with the Son thing, by the way. Oh, we not. I, I still think we, we've got with Son. We've got into the range of he is. Are we saying he's a player who is rated but isn't rated enough? No, with, nobody's with underrating Son, Son anymore. With Son, we are saying that he is now rated, but for a long time he was the underrated Son Hyun Min, which meant that because it became such a cliche that he was underrated, he was in fact being rated, which is the very, very kind of essence the essence of this whole so, caper so you're agreeing with me he doesn't now get into our team he would I have got no, into I our think, team 18 months ago I think ago. Son is probably now just rated isn't he no one's no one, no one ever so ne- feels the need to say Son Hyun Min is underrated so there's a statute of limitations on this possibly you, you have to be rated currently mm. after being underrated previously but you can't then be so rated for so long that you become just rated how long does the underrating have to last and is how long does the that, yeah, is there like some sort of twilight zone between mm. underrated and rated that gets you into this team? I just think Son moved too quickly through un- <laughs> the underrated phase of his career before he became rated. I disagree. I think he was underrated for a long time because he's Korean. 
We're, we're at Hughes, so it's two flights of stairs down, so I'm not going to offer you outside. We just have to agree to disagree. <laughs> and also, none of us have really ever had a fight in our entire lives. No. Um, and finally, from Stuart Hill about our other recent player-based pod, bringing those from yesteryear into the modern day. Stuart says, hi guys. Really interesting episode on past players in the present day game. Thanks, Stuart. Eugene, take note. What about Michael Owen, says Stuart? Discarding all the debate on whether he's right or wrong to say that what he said in his autobiography. As a footballer, he was incredible, particularly in his younger years. This is often forgotten now, but I've long thought that he was lucky to break through in the 90s. Clearly, his pace, movement and finishing ability would have seen him succeed in the modern game. But strikers now have to be able to play with their back to goal, something Marcus Rashford, for example, struggles with, he says. And that wasn't Owen's game. So would he have been a winger cutting in from the left... And would he have had difficulties nailing down a position as the main striker? Can we continue? That's a really good. That's a really good question. Can you think of a modern player who has the same skill set as Ma- as Michael Owen? Because I can't. Did we mention Javier Hernandez very briefly? This uh, last oh yeah, week. all right, yeah. Someone like Hernandez maybe, but there's no. Yeah, he's right. Strikers that sort of sort. Everyone plays one up front, one central striker now. If that Owen couldn't play that role because he he didn't have the the kind of yeah, the necessary capabilities. A player that quick would probably... A player that quick would always have a role to play in football, I think. The teams would always want someone with that sort of speed. But I'm not sure where... He, I mean, would he be Daniel James? Is Michael Owen Daniel James? No. Daniel no, but James. If, no, no, no. If, no, Michael, no, if no. Michael Owen, at 17, mm. was coming through now, I think he would probably end up in the same category as Daniel James. Quick, goal-scoring winner. Wouldn't it be great to go back in time and put that in motion and just see where Michael Owen ends up? We can't do it. We can't. Not Science yet. says at the moment we can't do I, that. I feel like Chinch mm. wants to move on yeah, he's because he knows this what's down, next. He? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> uh, so before we move on, it has been too long since Chinch provided us with an out-of-context oh, reacher passage. No. This has been forwarded to us uh, by Alex Maguire. It's actually from The Guardian. So someone sent this in? Yeah. But I because this was from it, your no, sick no, no, mind. No, because it was from oh, The man. Guardian back in 2011 when the Lee Child masterpiece involving the protagonist Jack Reacher in The Affair was nominated for the paper's Bad Sex Award. It is, as requested by Rory, a love scene. And Andy Hinchcliffe is going to make any glassware near you steam up. With his reading of our raunchiest out-of-context Reacher passage yet, it comes, parents, with a firm 12A certificate. Now, like a 200-metre-long alleyway, this is a lengthy passage. So, (laughs) please, please stick with me. But this, Reacher is is two types of character. He's a headbutter or he's a lovemaker. (laughs) But this is just extraordinary writing. It really is, but I'll give it a go. Here we go. We were both 36 years old, all grown up, not teenagers. We didn't rush. We didn't fumble. We took our time, and what a time it was. Maybe the best ever. We kissed as soon as my door was closed. Her lips were cool and wet. Her teeth were small. Her tongue was agile. It was a great kiss. I had one hand in her hair and one on the small of her back. She was jammed hard against me and moving. Her eyes were open. So were mine, creepy. We kept that first kiss going for whole minutes. Five of them, or maybe ten. We were patient. We took it slow. We were very good at it. Bloody show off. I think we both understood that the first time happens only once. 
We both wanted to savour it. Eventually, we came up for air. She smiled and said, that's your thing. You like undressing women? More than anything in the world, more than headbutting, I said. And I've been staring at that particular button since a quarter past nine. Since ten past nine, she said. I, pay I paid attention to the timeline. I'm a cop. <laughs> Inappropriate. We stood up again and kissed again. By that point in my life, I had kissed hundreds of girls. But I was ready to admit, Devereaux was the finest of them all. She was spectacular. She moved and quivered and trembled. She was strong, but gentle. Passionate, but not aggressive. Hungry, but not demanding. The clock, the clock in my head took a break. We, we had all the time in the world and we were going to use every last minute of it. We came up for air and she turned me around and sat me down again. Oh no. We spent 20 minutes learning every contour above our necks. Then it was time. We started tenderly, long and slow, long and slow, deep and easy. She flushed and gasped. So did I, long and slow, then faster and harder. <laughs> then we were panting. Faster, harder, faster, harder, panting. Wait, she said. What, I said. Wait, wait, she said. Not now, not yet. Slow down. Long and slow, long and slow. <laughs> Breathing hard, panting. Okay, she said. Okay. Now, now, now. Faster and harder, faster, harder, faster, harder. The room began to shake. Just faintly at first, like a mild, constant tremor, like the edge of a far distant earthquake. The French door trembled in its frame, patio door. A glass rattled on the bathroom shelf. The floor quivered. The hall door creaked and shuttered. My shoes hopped and moved. The bedhead hammered against the wall. The floor shook hard. The walls boomed. The coins in my abandoned pocket tinkled. The, be the bed shook and bounced and walked tiny fractions across the moving floor. Then the midnight train was gone, and so were we. Bravo, Tim. That is. <laughs> it doesn't get any better than that, both in terms of literally st uh, literary style and lovemaking. <laughs> Top work, Jack Reacher. So we've got about one, one hour 20 of content that we're going to provide in our live show. One minute 15 of it, just chinch reading Reacher. Chinch reads Reacher sex scenes, I think, could be a podcast on its own. I, I I tried filming that, but I've been shaking with laughter so much. I'm not sure it's going to be worthy of posting. The camera shook in my hand. <laughs> when Lee Child is sitting down at his computer, her teeth were small. As he wrote that, he must have left that in as a joke. He can't seriously have thought that's going to work. The abandoned coins in my pocket tinkled. I would. Where I mean, is this coming from? I don't want to suggest I'm taking the wrong message from that passage, but I would say that whatever whatever kind of room they're in feels shoddily built. <laughs> Mm. But he had the, the power and passion of, I think, to say, both their lovemaking. Reacher wasn't in total control. You can see that Devereaux was playing her part, very much so. Uh, maybe I'm overanalyzing it, but there was definitely two there tangoing. Uh, yes, you are. Out of context Reacher passages, like that or different, uh, please send them to uh, at setpiecemenu, setpiecemenu at gmail.com. As we said, just find a book, open it on a random page, take a picture and tweet it or email it. Do you think we need the skypad on that scene? <laughs> The touchscreen. The touchscreen. Some touchscreen analysis of Reacher's moves. Yeah, excellent. The way he went from out to in was extraordinary. Tarquin would definitely get the touchscreen working for that one. <laughs> Pause it. And you can just see here, Devereaux really stuff. <laughs> Let's uh, take a look at that button in more detail. How uh, about the Gagan press there from Devereaux? <laughs> let us move on before we are accused of dwelling on it just a little bit uh, too long. Um, now... Um, 
in a not at all connected way. We really during can't stress that enough, actually. Yes, we really can't, yeah. because we're aware of what's coming up. Uh, during the most recent international break, the English Women's Super League played his first round of fixtures to significant acclaim and impressively sized crowds. Suddenly, everything has an incredibly erotic tinge to it. Uh, more than 60,000 watched in total, most of them at the Etihad for the first ever WSL Manchester derby and for the London derby as well between Chelsea and Spurs at Stamford Bridge. Steve and Rory were both covering the former and can, in a moment, give their insight into the occasion. Uh, the women's game is hoping to capitalise on another successful tournament for the England team in particular, when the national consciousness in this country was attuned to the fortunes of the Lionesses, not to mention Scotland women's too. Uh, Scotland's women too. Um, there's the BBC hat firmly uh, on my head, mainly due to the games being on terrestrial TV uh, in the UK. There will be an understandable drop-off in attendances as the weeks progress. They are not using the Etihad and Stamford Bridge every week, of course, but another attention-grabbing weekend is planned in the next but one international break in November to see if the momentum can be maintained. But given um, that we are four males, white and middle class to boot, we are alienated from so many areas of society. We do not pretend to be the go-to voices on this issue. Uh, having said that, we aren't for any issue, so we'll plough on. Uh, on this particular pod, we'd like to widen the conversation based on this tweet to at Set Piece Menu from That Scorpion Kick, uh, who tried something new, passive topic suggestions via a tweet thread that we latched onto. He says, while having a few beers with friends of mixed gender talking football, a question came up, which I was tempted to send into Set Piece Menu, which you're not doing currently by using us in the at form in this tweet. Can one support women's football without taking an active interest in it? Opinions were divided regardless of gender. What are the pod's thoughts? Here are our thoughts whilst widening out, as I say, not just uh, into women's football, but other aspects of football. Can you be a supporter of a certain kind of football without taking an active interest in it? Well, not, not even a certain kind of football. So I think you can be a supporter of, say, lower league football in the sense that you don't wish it any specific harm without taking any massive in, uh, any particular interest in it. And I think probably most people, if we're all completely honest, support lower league football in that way, that they... They kind of check, they might check the straws. They, they you know, they they think it's great that the attendances are, are kind of high. They they hope that none of the clubs go bust, but they're not going to the games. They're not, you know, the vast majority of people are not going to lower league football games, but they kind of support its existence in a, in a, in a kind of well, yeah. But that's not supporting. That's well wishing. You, no, you, that, you, but that's an exact an exact example, isn't it? Can you can you be said to be? a supporter of it if you are not taking an active interest in it and those who are taking an active interest do they look unfavourably upon those who are supporting yes, and not do. taking an active interest well, yes. to take Rory's point further on how many times does a, a League 1 or League 2 club go to Wembley for a playoff final or for an FA Trophy final or something of that ilk and suddenly they're selling thirty or 40,000 tickets for the occasion but actually their average weekly home gate is fewer than 5,000. Yeah. So yes, there is a demonstration very much that you can. You can be interested in how your local team is doing, your very local team, and support them on those big occasions. But yes, it would be nice if you went more often, but the reality is is that you perhaps normally have a distraction from a, a much larger or longer term footballing love that means that you, you're only going to stick your, your head through the, the turnstiles of your small local side on a sort of less frequent basis. Well, also, I think that, that it's quite dangerous, like, grading who's the best fan. Is, it, is, is a supporter a fan? Are well, they the same thing? I was going to come on to that, because I think you probably have different... You have probably different levels, don't you? So I'm not sure whether you'd say... 
Well, Fan is... This, sounds, this is a horrible... I can't believe I'm going to say this. This is a low Don't moment. say it then. This is a low moment for me. Is it better it. or worse than the prose from Lee Child that we just illustrated? Worse. It might be the worst <laughs> thing I've ever said. So Fan is obviously short for fanatic. So I guess if you were going to give them labels, you would say that, that a fan is higher than a supporter and a supporter is higher than a well-wisher. And a, a well-wisher is higher than a, like a neutral. And a neutral is higher than someone who actively wishes that that, that thing ends. <laughs> <laughs> we, That's we actually quite helpful and logical. Yeah. I don't, don't do yourself no, down. No, it was the... Uh, f- fan is obviously short it's for fanatic. It was yeah. very mansplaining. So it was is like, a, actually, is a f- actually, you know, <laughs> fan is, is fan short for fanatic. Is so that a fan like is more passionate is, than a oh supporter. God, yeah. But we, 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 yeah, I think yes. in I mean, the media, we use fan and supporter interchangeably. interchangeably. But I think for the, for the purposes of this conversation, let's establish a... What do you call it in science? Like a... A baseline. No, it's a not a name. It's like, you know, birds have got lat- fancy Latin names and the part of the species and the genus, genus or whatever. There's a, there's a n- word for it. Anyway, let's establish a, an order of words okay. in which fan is the most committed, supporter is second, well-wisher, neutral, and I'm not going to call them haters because I'm 37. Uh, pessimist. No, that's not right. No. Critics. Critics. Okay. Critics. Okay. Which is short for cricket, tri- cricketalists. Uh, yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> so, for example, in Leeds recently, there has been... I don't know if... Have you seen... Again, this, this makes me sound like I'm someone on the news quiz. Have you seen this story? Anyone heard about this story? There's, th- there's, this, there's a guy who's gone round called the Burley Banksy, named after Burley, the part of Leeds that he's from. It's not the nice Burley. It's the other Burley. There's two Burleys in Leeds. Uh, and he's been painting murals on, like, ele- electricity oh, yes, boxes. Yeah, this I tweeted good. about this is it. Good, yeah. So, he's been... He painted like Leeds murals on like those uh, electricity bo- boxes you get on the street and various bits of street furniture, and some I don't know what word to use for them, but I think it's probably got to be twats <laughs> have gone around and painted over them. And when they were challenged by the Yorkshire Evening Post, they said it's just oh, it's a childish obsession like in football. This man is old enough to know better to indulge it. We don't like football. We don't see why. We represent the ninety percent of Leeds residents who don't like Leeds United or football, and we don't see why everyone should have to deal with it. And you think. They're ele- electricity boxes. Yeah. They're not pretty. Literally anything is better than what they are. Anyway, they That's are... what they do in Portugal. They, they do that. They have, presumably, people go around and just flower them up a bit. Yeah. And they look great. It's nice. Yeah. It's chinch pro street art. It's an art form. Uh, so they, those people, the twats, they are, they are lower than neutrals. They are actively... They're, an- they're antagonists. They are antagonistic towards football in all its forms. They are the lowest of the low. They're the worst people. Yeah, but yet believe they are representing the majority. Which makes them even worse. Uh, and well, not, do they, do not they actually massively believe? dissimilar or to hardline Brexiteers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was wondering whether yeah, comparison was eventually going to raise its head. The, um, anyway. But they don't necessarily think I'm, I'm doing this on behalf of loads of other people. Are they well, not just doing said. it for themselves? No, they've said that. They, they said they, that they, it's, they uh, everyone feels yes, this way. Yeah. They claim that they are. They are the silent majority, uh, apparently. With spray cans. Anyway, they're awful. It's but like a tree hiding in a forest. I can't agree with that. That is the. They are the lowest level foot on the football supporting chain. But yeah, if we establish that fans support as well, which is neutrals, and then those guys, you can. I think it's fair enough to be a well wisher of a form of football. So you can be a like a Chesterfield well wisher and just go to the FA Cup semi final in 1997. Not every. It really annoys me. Not everybody can go to games in the same way as not everyone can come to our live show. Not, not everyone has the money. Do, we, uh, do, do, the, do the excuses for those two things vary? No, not really. It's very similar. But, and they're all legitimate. No, it, 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 I find it really weird that increasingly in society we wouldn't dream of criticising someone for, 
for mocking people for being poor or for not being able to, you know, food poverty is a massive issue, fuel poverty, period poverty. We're really conscious of all these things that where people are disadvantaged in certain ways and we're really, really aware, hyper aware, that life is a real struggle for a lot of people. And yet, as football fans, you kind of get sneered at if you don't go to games. Maybe you can't afford to go to games. With, with social media is, is not a, a, a particularly positive place, as we all well know, but there is um, particularly one of the one of the worst things about it is that you are, and it's and it's happening um, in uh, American politics at the moment. That if you are not an activist, you are not it at all. Mm-hmm. So if you are not a progressive liberal in American politics, you are not allowed to uphold yourselves to being a liberal at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that that is the 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 crucible in which Twitter is smelt. Is that fine? Is that all right? Have I done that right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. If, I don't know if you get a job at ICI, but carry on. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not entirely sure I do want one, but uh, still, I'm, yes, wo- woefully underqualified. But is is there an element as well in whether it's lower league football or, or women's football? Not to correlate those two with the same foreign, thing. No, but foreign football. You foreign can, football can be yes. the same with Italian football. Hipster football. Hipster football. Yeah. Going to the Copa Libertadores final in Buenos Aires, for example. Can we, as uh, onlookers? <laughs> appreciate that without having to be either promoting it on social media, an activist for its wide appreciation. Um, can we say that we are well-wishers, supporters, fans of that without being genuinely invested within it, whether it's for our work or in our home time? Yeah, of course you can. You can, you can take a passing interest in Serie A. You can take a passing interest in women's football. And it's okay. And I think that, you're, I think that, that trend that you identify in, in politics in general, where if you're not... And it's the same... With the, with certainly with the British left and probably with the British right, that if you're not kind of actively kind of out there saying this is this is my kind of defining the defining part of or my holding identity, others to that standard and holding others well. to that standard and to account that you're kind of perceived as being part of the problem. But I, I believe the word in kind of woke politics is ally, that you can be an ally of feminism without necessarily being you don't have you sh- you shouldn't have to be kind of what's the word not sacrificing but like. You shouldn't have to kind of that. Should, that doesn't isn't necessarily your core identity. It's not necessarily something that you you don't claim to be a a kind of strident activist feminist, but you can be an ally of feminism, and that's fine. And I think that probably works with foreign football and anything that's not kind of perceived as like the Premier League mainstream, w- women's football, low league football, foreign football, any specific type of football. And of course, we should remember that in the Premier that the Premier League itself in other countries is foreign. Because in English is very much not the default identity. Let us remember that. The so I think I think that's all legitimate. But the problem is the same that you you tend to get. I mean, it's any kind of silo of of support. So you get the same with like analytics football. You, you tend to get this kind of if you're not absolutely for this thing, if you're not completely given over, and this is not your only prism through which you see the world then you are part of the problem. And it's to do it's partly sort of ghettoisation and tribalism that these tribes kind of coalesce. In most cases, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter whether you aren't promoting Serie A enough or whatever. In women's football, it's probably quite important that those people who do wish it well are a little bit more vocal about wishing it well because the voices who do not wish it well, who are extremely sort of backward and reactionary, are very loud themselves. But those two voices are driving each other further apart. We've had quite a few suggestions from people that we should do a topic talking about women's football, but this is like a really intriguing way of getting into it rather than just saying, can you please talk about women's football? This is a really good launch off point. I'd I'd like to know exactly what a few beers is in total before they got into it, because it seems like the obvious answer to the question is 
yeah, you, you can support it without being overly active. But an issue that rose its head again on the back of that opening weekend of, of WSL action, which was really well attended. It was a great occasion. Manchester very well City. commentated on on BT Sports. It was I very well commentated on on BT Sports. It was Sport. adequately reported in the New York Times. It was indeed. Uh, that, and, and City put, it was, City made it feel like a big occasion as well. And they deserve great credit for that because as you approached the ground, it felt like something big was happening. You know, they had big events going on outside in City Square, albeit they didn't have their main presenter available due to other Natalie considerations. Natalie was there, <laughs> <laughs> So it was a lot better than normal then, Steve. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I would say, yeah. I'd say it was enhanced. And, it, you know, and there was a really good vibe. There was a good atmosphere inside the ground. But this thing of that one end of the spectrum, you've got the nobody cares contingent, which we saw throughout the Women's World Cup, despite the fact that 11 million people watched it on the semi-final on, on the BBC. And then at the other end of the spectrum, you've got those who clearly feel as though they need the activists, those who need to promote it. And the problem is, is the more that they respond to each other, mm. the further they're pushing, the further they're antagonising each other and pushing them further away from what would be a more acceptable midpoint. Which you are basically describing all of social media right there in a beautifully succinct sentence. Well, also humanity in 2019. Yes, but I th- yeah. The so, so the W, the FAWSL is humanity in 2019. <laughs> well, the, all the reaction to it is kind of indicative of where we are as a race, species, genus, whatever it, what it, whatever it is that humans are. You don't know this with spaniels, chinks. Let me tell you, just bark at everybody, especially middle-aged women. Don't know why. Uh, anyway, no, I think the <laughs> is Hector barking on the comment pages of the Daily Mail by any chance? I mean, Hector, Hector, Hector when he goes properly nuts when he sees a middle-aged woman that he doesn't like, and again, this is not design having anything against middle-aged women. It's just that he doesn't like them. He's his own. He's his own person. He's a dog. Uh, that is that he is more coherent than people on the comment pages of the Daily Mail. <laughs> Interesting fact. The but the, that kind of to an extent, I don't buy that kind of mutual antagonism argument. I know what you mean, and but I just think this kind of uh, the, the the trope that you get from the people who who don't like women's football are the tropes are it's rubbish. Most football's rubbish if you watch is enough it, is, of it. Is it the football they don't like or the women they don't like? No, what they don't, what they don't like is the women. The, what so, they don't okay. like is that they feel in some way that women playing football and people talking about women's football is in some way kind of in, uh, invading part of their own masculine space. That is, that, that is at the root of it. And I'm sure I would like to think, to be honest, that none of our listeners are those people. Yeah. But if they are, feel free to get in touch with me to lie about why, why that's wrong. But that is the reason. You feel that this is a masculine space and it's been kind of encroached upon by women that that is the bulk of the problem um and they also feel that the coverage of women's football i think uh, not to put words into the mouth uh, mouths of bigoted people uh, but do they not also feel that the, the coverage is disingenuous in uh, no, its so positivity th- so this is a slightly different this is a slightly different issue that uh, which i think we should come on to okay in terms we'll of return to that shortly in answer to chinch's question as far as I can tell, they don't like women playing football. They feel as though it's a, it's a male space. They want it to remain a male space, which is ridiculous. But because they know they can't say that, they say it, the standard is terrible. To be honest, they let the conference happen. And I don't know if you've ever watched the conference. It's not exactly Barcelona. So it's not the case that you you can say this shouldn't be on TV because it's bad. Because lots of bad football is on TV. I watch a lot of football. I've been to, I would say, tens of matches. Most of them are crap. That is the, most football matches are, unless, I'm sure I've said this before, and I'm also doing that thing that people always complain about in the, in the reviews where I take over and I don't want to do it. But you know when you, just what, as they say in commercial radio, one thought per link, Rory, one thought per you, link. You know when they say, 
Um, you know when people say, oh, I don't like the Bundesliga or I don't like Spanish football or blah, blah, blah. It's not that it's worse. It's that you're not emotionally invested in it. That is the yes. only difference between all elite football is that you're, not in, you're only emotionally invested in the, in the lead that matters to you. It's not that the other ones are not as good. It's just that you're not as involved in it. Does most football... Or you're xenophobic. Or you're massively xenophobic. Uh, so I think th- that is where the root of a lot of the hostility comes from. And I get why the kind of defenders and the activists, not activists, but the defenders of women's football or the fans of women's football react to that. Because I think the criticism, criticism of women's football in itself is disingenuous. The nature of the coverage is a, is a more complex issue. Steve, you've been is part that of we, that coverage. Is that where, we, is that where we're going now? Well, I, I do think there is some disingenuous... Actually, Rory, so, so have you, because you, you, you went to the World Cup. So there, both of you have been involved in that coverage and will have thoughts upon it. Because I've mentioned what a great occasion that was. The, the City United, the first women's professional Manchester derby. 31,000 people there, 31,200 and something. They're a record for a, a domestic league game in the women's game in this country. Phenomenal. That in itself is something to celebrate. But in the immediate aftermath, you then get a situation where some of those who feel it is their responsibility to promote women's football uh, online saying, fantastic, 31,200 and change people paid to watch women's football in Manchester today. That's one in the eye for the we don't care brigade. But the problem there is that you've taken it to an extreme that isn't justified because only the adults that were in attendance mm-hmm. paid for the game and for every adult that bought a ticket they were entitled to four free tickets for under 16s and quite a lot of tickets were distributed anyway so why have you taken something that should be celebrated a record a moment of triumph along the way and tried to take it beyond because that feels like you are out there antagonising the we don't care brigade rather than saying what a wonderful celebration and isn't it what a great job people have done to build on the the spirit and the success of the the women's world cup in the summer and congratulations everybody because you've done exactly the right thing you've held off the start of the season you put it on an international break where it could get its exposure and city in particular have done a really good job of marketing this occasion and getting fans in don't then try and say something happened that didn't because that's just going to get people's back. So, uh, people who are looking for an excuse yes. to, to be aggressive about something is suddenly given one. So the, 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 to, to, to keep it in line with our conversation today, that is suggesting that an, an, an activist has more credentials than anybody else and they are looking to try and assert those credentials to the cost of those who don't have similar credentials or ability to engage with it in the way that they are. The crucial thing to me was Desire that is, to engage I, with it. I had the same thought as Steve. So a lot of it was to do with the fact that Chelsea gave away 40,000 tickets for the Chelsea Spurs game the following day. And, 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 fewer, peop- and fewer people turned and up. Fewer people so you've turned got up. to attach a value to something. Yeah, exactly. And that, that a lot of people, a lot of respected voices on women's football, more respected than, than me, and I want, we should reiterate yes, that we are not qualified to talk all about of us, Than all of us. But made that point that, that it was... It, what that weekend proved is that if you attach a value to something, people take it more seriously whereas if you say this is this is free it's it's not in, it's not it's not sending the right message to the athletes themselves who are elite athletes they are perfor- elite elite athletes performing their jobs at the highest level possible they should their that performance is worth something they should they should get paid 
the thing that we I say, twenty-four thousand. Uh, twenty-four thousand. Fifteen thousand people took tickets and didn't turn up, which is which is a lot, to be honest, and is slightly odd. And that's what happens when they're free. Yeah. I mean, that's what happens when they're free. I can't believe there's. I know London's busy and there's all sorts of you know Wicked still running and you know Good the show. Cats is on. The, you know, but it, Broadway. Is Cats on? Broadway's really. I don't know. Really. Maybe I don't. Know. I hate musical theatre. <laughs> I don't think. I don't think the, Cats is still on. Anyway. It, it, it proves that point precisely that if you if you make people pay if you tell people this is worth something they are more likely to kind of invest in it both literally and figuratively. The 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 claim that thirty one thousand people paid to see football in Manchester struck me initially as disingenuous and I think it probably is. Except if you so Ed has recently been signed up for one of these kind of toddler football courses. Little kickers, Diddy kicks. Oh, Diddy kicks. It, Com- the, compa- they are all extortionate. <laughs> but with, with the one that we signed up for, you pay however many pounds a month, and then you pay a joining fee for which you, Kate, very very proudly told me you get a free kit. They give you a little kit for the for, for your tiny chaotic madman to wear or mad mad woman because it is it's all kids. There is no gender in mm-hmm. as there shouldn't be. Um, to which I said, well, that's not a free kit, is it? That's a kit that's cost me twenty eight quid. That's what the joining fee's for. Because it's not for putting your name on a database and sending you an email. It's for the kit. In that sense, 31,000 people did pay to see football because each of those children, and we well, went to the stadium, there were a lot of kids there. It was, it was families, as it should have been. That's, that's where women's football, football can grow inordinately is by providing sort of low, low price point elite football to people, which men's football doesn't do. That is the future for women's football, to build an audience and then start charging more. Um, there were a lot of kids there, but each of those kids paid a price to see that game if they went with one parent, seven quid for the adult, take two kids, each of those kids has paid like a pound fifty or something. Do you know what I mean? If you, you just divide yeah, the there, seven there pounds. Is, there is some value. There, so the, the kids... But, but there, there is a claim that each individually paid is, is I where think, I think Steve... Yeah, you know, and he's right. He's absolutely right. But you can semantically make the case that they have all paid in some way. But, okay, does anybody ever say when Manchester United's attendance figure is read out because it's always the biggest Mm -hmm. crowd of a Premier League weekend. Old Trafford, thank you ever so much. 76,437 people have paid to be here this afternoon. We are incredibly grateful for your support. They They say what the attendance is. People cheer and they celebrate the fact that once again Manchester United's crowd is the biggest of the weekend. Yeah, that, and, and there's a case to be made, I guess, that that, that that that's all all that was required. Except, I suppose, that because women's football is in this moment where it's trying to kind of assert its growth, and I think it's natural that it wants to assert its growth, that that it, they want to make that point that look, this is in the context of this conversation within the game, where they're trying to work out is it best to give tickets away for free or do do we have to charge the place of value on the, on the sport. It, that is very much one in the eye for people who say you should give tickets away for free. W- what I think is totally unnecessary is that idea of validating the We Don't Care Brigade. Because the, the We Don't Care Brigade exists for everything. And we, I, I can't remember, we had this conversation, we've definitely had it in private, I don't know if we've had it on the podcast. Every year, the BBC put tennis on. Tennis! At prime time during Wimbledon. Tennis on television. Tennis! And lots of people like it. And the You're the kind of person who would repaint an electricity box on the side of the road if there was a mural of a tennis match I going wouldn't. On. No, I wouldn't. That's not true. I just wouldn't pay to go and watch the tennis match. The, <laughs> oh, look, it's over there now. It's over there. The, um, <laughs> <laughs> the, 
I actually quite like tennis. I'm, I'm actually, being... that, yes, that, 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 that's quite a lot of football at the elite <laughs> men's level these days. Yeah, no, I, over there, tennis over is there. fine, but they put tennis on. Tennis is not, um, is not the country's most popular sport. It's not really a majority sport. Like, n- most people do not spend a year fascinated by tennis. And every year, the BBC put it on in Britain, and it, it, it's different in other countries where they have dedicated sports networks, but the BBC put it on at prime time, and every year people complain that the EastEnders is shifted. And it's the same when ITV show, show England games, they, people complain about Coronation Street. There are people who don't like sport. When we write about football, and United dating 76,000, we don't say, well, that's one in the eye for don't put football on TV, Brigade. The conversation around women's football should not be predicated on the fact that some people don't like it. The, 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 during the World Cup, there was far too much, and this is where the, the coverage becomes significant, there was f- far too much, far too many people trying to say, you are wrong to not like this, you should like this, and we are going to prove to you how popular it is, which in itself is not how we deal with men's sport. But is this, is this understandable at this point that this is happening in terms of the activists, how great women's football is? Does there come a point when that needs to change? The naysayers will always be there, but don't do things to justify your sport because of them. Just let the sport be. So that's it. So there will come a point, we'll say, years before they actually just say, you know what, we're just going to run this thing. And it'll be what it'll be now. We don't need to keep saying that's one in the eye for them. Well, that, so this is this is basically the whole tenet of my point, Chinch. Once again, nice. with the one thing you've said this episode, you have have hit. <laughs> I've been the nail listening on the head. intently. It's been fascinating. He's, he's been ruminating on the Jack Reacher uh, passage, I think. Oh, yes. So, <laughs> women's football has to promote itself. Absolutely, it. There is a, n- there's no doubt a common sense marketing strategy. But, but everybody's allowed to promote themselves. Yeah, yeah no, everybody. In, in every walk of life. Yeah, exactly. And is no sporting event happens by, you know, do you is don't, it, you is don't it going beyond? Is it too aggressive? Do you think it's too aggressive? Or can you understand why? Is no, it more I, aggressive I, than anything I else? Underst- I understand why that there is a certain tone to it. Every, as Hugh says, every sport promotes itself. Even the worst sport, golf. <laughs> had <laughs> to go at golf, had <laughs> to go at tennis. Tends, tends to l- tell I people. Even rugby. Yeah. Tell, not really a sport. <laughs> the. The but even golf tells people that it's on. Like you're allowed to sort, and the, the bot seems dreadful for promotion and all the all the nonsense around. Kind of, this is the biggest fight of all time. It's awful for it. All sports do this. So women's football has every right to do that, and it probably has more cause to do that because it is a kind of, it's still in the growth stage. It's not kind of established its audience as much as it. It's not reached its peak. That's fair to say. What I don't think they need to do is indulge these kind of bigots and attention seekers, and naysayers who exist for every sport by saying constantly you are wrong you are of course they're wrong just as the people who want to watch eastenders instead of live sport are wrong but you're not going to convince them otherwise just people while you don't yeah you don't you don't have to be an activist to be a true fan you don't have to be a fan to be a supporter you don't have to be a supporter to be a well-wisher you don't have to be kind of an absolutist about anything you can like what you like some people don't like football at all like, we don't need to kind of reach out to them and ask if they're okay, despite the fact that that is clearly a ridiculous thing to think. But the, the, the question that we're asking today is, and, and again, that, that, that point can be widened out. If you are not an activist or you, if you are not ov- overtly promoting the sport on your own time, does that mean you are being judged by those who are yes. as being lesser than what they are. And so there is a competitive element of it. As we've spoken about, uh, all fans and the tribalism and the virtue signaling and all the performative acts, these are words that I've learned from Rory over the last year, and so I drop them into conversation all the time. Um, there is that element of it that means that if you are not doing as much as I am doing, you are not as good as me, and therefore I will be competitive and challenge you on that and attempt 
attempt to score points yeah, in so that dialogue. So that is very much the tone of social media, and it exists, as Steve will have found, for example, in... So let's take it away from, from women and the, the accusation that it's I to do that's with... That's been the problem for centuries. We should well, yeah, all right, yeah. <laughs> but we should, it's a, just to prove it's not, it's not uniquely like a gender thing. So with, with Italian football, you will find that there are people who, who are re- really into Italian football more than, say, Steve, who used to watch and research and commentate on Italian football for a living. There will be people who feel that you, you, you weren't kind of loud enough or, or promotional enough or, or kind of you hadn't swallowed the Kool-Aid enough or whatever. You weren't as much. You weren't doing it as. M- it wasn't the central core of your being, yeah. and therefore, you were not a legitimate kind of voice on it. To touch on a previous subject, I quite often get it when I suggest that maybe it's okay not to have heard of certain players because do you know what? My job is not football scout. It is journalist. It's not my job. Not any of our jobs to have heard of every player. I but, like it but when I have. Because they do, and they have. They want to score points off you, who is perceived by most to be of a higher intellect and greater significance in it's the world of football. And yet, they would like to bring you down a peg or two by proving that they, because they are overtly like active, active in, yeah. in their ability to show. Or just yeah, is it but just showing off? I don't know. It's, it's Partly, sh- it's storing points, it's showing off. It's to do with, as Steve mentioned, it's like the siloing of society that we, we all, we've all kind of entrenched into our own little bubbles and we want our bubbles to be better than any other bubble. So you did it with foreign football, you hipster football, you did it with like, like scouting Twitter, all the, the, the kind of the people who sort of, you see them sort of pull up stats of random players and say, you know, great prospect. You think, well, who are you? Like, what is your qualification for doing this? But you did it with with specific leads you did it with Spanish football enthusiasts or German football enthusiasts or whatever or Premier League enthusiasts all the time you did it with a lower lead crowd there is nothing more kind of holier than thou than non-lead football fans I mean it is I'm pro non-lead I think they should all be allowed to keep on playing football but maybe not get paid for it full time but they're definitely allowed to exist but there's nothing holier than thou than non-lead football fans and it's almost as though it's kind of worst, you're a worse person if you support a bigger club it happens throughout and the problem the most of the time, as I say, it doesn't really matter. I find, personally find it very annoying, but it, it's not important. With women's football, it is quite important because you, you have this issue of decades of oppression of the game, continued gender imbalance in society, and ultimately the root cause of a lot of the hostility is not, I'm not interested in that in the way that I'm, for example, not interested in, I don't know, Either tennis or EastEnders like, at prime yeah. time on BBC One. So is this also, but, but you're not interested in women invading your masculine space, and that is problematic. So this has ultimately become a battle. It's about sexism rather than actually the sport in itself. I think a lot of the criticism is sexist, and I think some of the, the, the promotional stuff is a reaction to that sexism, which I think is understandable, but maybe not, maybe not entirely fortunate, or, n- or sometimes not entirely necessary. There maybe comes a point where the best way, I guess, in my mind, and uh, I say this as a man... So not, not my place to say, but I wonder if sometimes the, the best way to promote women's football is not always to predicate it on the, peop- the bigots and the sexists being wrong. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the best way to promote women's football might just be to say, this is good. Yeah, and one-upmanship, but let's change it to one-up-personship. But then at the same time, it shouldn't be that... Like, the, it, and the, we're not, by the way, we we're don't not equating somebody's activism in attempting to promote a sport with the bigots who are attempting to no, drag it down. Those I, two things are not two sides of the same coin no, in, in, in any not. way. And equally, it shouldn't be women's football's responsibility to kind of change its behaviour for the bigots, because the people who should be changing the behaviour are the sexists. But you're right about letting a product speak for itself. A couple of things on the back of that City United game. Uh, there was two 
outstanding key moments in the match. One, a save in the first half. Great chance for United's Jane Ross, saved by Ellie Roebuck. And then there was the goal scored by Caroline Weir in the second half that won it. Both outstanding pieces of football. Mm-hmm. Wh- whatever backdrop you are laying it against. Ross's finish wasn't great, but yes. Well, that's what I was getting onto. So, so BT Sport clipped up those, those two moments and they put them on their Twitter feed, on the BT Sport Football Twitter feed. And it was really interesting on the comments to those two situations is that firstly, on the save, the comments were either, wow, what a save. And then there was one or two saying, what about the finish though? And there was some that praised the build-up play, which was also yeah, really, exceptional. Really. But nobody was making a comment about women's goalkeepers perpetuating the, oh, well, the goalkeepers in the women's game are rubbish because the save was outstanding. And it sort of answered that question or answered that criticism without you having to point anyone towards it. And then likewise, on the goal, people were commenting on how impressive the strike was whilst also suggesting, oh, what about the defending? No, could they have done a better job of closing it down? So that demonstrates the progress and demonstrates the areas in which something can promote itself without needing either the activists to really, really go for it and also shutting down the nobody cares merchants because you had to care about those two moments of brilliance. They were the, the standout moments in the game. Well, equally, sometimes it, it detracts from the standard of play, the, quali- the quality of the product itself, if you if you kind of spell out to people that it's good. Yes. So if if the the reaction to that Caroline Weir goal had been kind of what what a goal from Caroline Weir and doesn't that prove that you do get great great goals in women's football? That is diminishing what is... You don't need to say that. And I think that, again, they're on the right side and the motivation the motivations are correct and understandable. But I just think sometimes there comes a point where you have to stop pandering to, the, to this audience of very vocal and extremely irritating sexists. Just, just ignore them. The other thing from the comments that proves that progress is being made is that uh, the one sort of negative comment on the, on the goal was, yeah, but the commentator's a Manchester United fan and therefore biased, yeah. which came as news to the commentator, who clearly has some apologising to do to the people he's been lying to for the last 41 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Done a good job of, being, of hiding being a Man United fan. <laughs> but that sort of that idea of bias, that, you know, demonstrates, oh, well, this is, uh, this is unworthy because of bias. Well, that's so something that's that... Progress that, of sorts. That's, yeah. pro- that's progress because we have to put up with that in the men's game all the time. And, and one final point, uh, hopefully final, um, is that uh, the, the, the whole issue of comparison, which is something that I'm glad that we haven't touched on very much, but it, it's worth just doing it, is that those who seek to compare it are just as guilty if they're comparing it for positive reasons as those who are comparing it for negative reasons. Those within the game from all the and I appreciate that I'm a, a male football journalist, but we have all spent time speaking to people in the women's game. And the one thing that they always talk about, and just before the WSL season started, Millie Bright had that column on the BBC Sport website where she very articulately said that there is no value to comparing women's football to men's football. These two sit within, yes, the same what did we say, genus, but they are two very different species and they should not be compared. And those who seek to compare it for negative reasons are making a huge mistake, but those who are seeking to compare it for positive reasons to illustrate gaps narrowing or elements of the game which are becoming more and more um, synergized is not helpful and it is not considered not helpful to those within the game who are who you are seeking to benefit by making those positive comparisons and it's something that frustrates frustrates those within the game hugely and those from without the game who are activists in their on their behalf 
often uh, make that mistake thinking that it's going to be something that, that will benefit them. Yes, that was definitely the best piece of advice I got from somebody who has worked extensively in the women's game before I commentated on women's football for the first time. Just to reset your mind, reset your perceptions, do not commentate on this game of football like you would do a men's game of football. The pace of the game, the flow of the game is very different and you are going to need different sorts of information and conversation pieces to get you through the commentary because the way that you react and anticipate things in one form of football is different to the way you react and anticipate it in a different form. Before we go, it is time for Nevermind Jack and Ori. What a soccer story. This is an to tell tale from his playing days with all adult behaviour and libel-worthy details removed. Well, it, it, it's not really about me, this story. Well, it is. It kind of starts with, with me and... Everything the job starts, that I, everything starts with me, of course it does. Um, but when I think there's a, a bit of a giggle about a comment I'd made about a lone striker, the lone striker role being a two-man job, it which was, in, which was taken balls, commentator balls. So that was again taken out of context. If you'd read the next line, you'd understand. I knew exactly what I was saying, and you'd it made mi- perfect sense. In the media. Make perfect sense. But again, after that happened, it's how easily we can be kind of misinterpreted. Or and I thought, well, hold on a minute. There must have been throughout the history but there must have been so many of these things this is why it's this uh, this the, the mistakes that commentators make or pundits make I just wanted to have a look online just just to kind of comfort myself as if to I'm in good company here it's you know I think I'm getting most of it right but there are times clearly when you might say things that, that you regret so I just wanted to go online and have a look and see what mistakes greater people than me had made so I just wonder whether I could actually give you kind of a top five or six of Ooh. some of the the ones that really made me giggle, and I just again, I can understand why the people have said what they've said, but again, they, they're just absolutely ha- so. If you indulge, will you indulge me? Would you? I will indulge. Will always. you indulge me? And the the first couple I want to do, <laughs> uh, Ron Atkinson, of course, a, a manager coach I played under at Sheffield Wednesday, and he was around for an awful long time, wasn't he, Ron? So clearly, if you're around a long time, you're going to make a few mistakes. There's a couple of belters here. So this was Ron Atkinson talking about uh, a game pre-match. Uh, I'm not going to make a prediction, but it could go either way. <laughs> so you start with something like that. This this is even better, though. This is after a game. I presume this is when he was coaching. Uh, I never comment on referees, and I'm not going to break the habit of a lifetime for that prat. <laughs> <laughs> so again, some of them you think, well, do you do you know what you're saying, or is that is that a genuine error? Yeah, I, I just think, that's, think that's, I think that's that, that is a, one is a is that a is a brilliant. That's, that's Ron Ron all over. I just thought it's absolutely brilliant. Slightly commit not it's not rude, but it's 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 humorous, but it's borderline. This was heard on Metro Radio. I think Metro Radio is up in the northeast. Northeast. This is talking about a West Ham game, and the defender Julian Dix. Do we all know? We all we know do Julian Dix. An excellent English left back that was yeah. wildly underrepresented at international level. A great couple of lines about Julian Dix. Julian Dix is everywhere today. It's like they've got eleven Dicks on the field. <laughs> just just you couldn't write it you couldn't write it and then Bobby Robson he's kind of legendary for his, his team talks and getting players names wrong and all that type of stuff and this is a, a comment after after England played Cameroon in the 1990 World Cup I think it was one of the knock, knockout rounds the quarter when they played the quarterfinals quarterfinals uh, he was asked about Cameroon after the game and he said uh, we didn't underestimate them they were just a lot better than we thought <laughs> which in essence Bobby is underestimation Alan Ball. Do we all have a soft spot for Alan Ball? Of course we do. Yes. Alan Ball. I'm not a believer in luck, but I do believe you need it. Right. That's slightly confusing. You've confused me there. But my, my favourite one, this is, is the this last one. one. This, is, this one. is my number one so far, but I'm going to, hopefully people might send in 
ones that they see as well because everywhere across the world there must have been so many of these different things this is Ray French now Ray French is Ray French a rugby rugby league, rugby league. Rugby league yes. commentator very famous rugby league commentator he's got the ice pack on his groin so it's possibly not the old shoulder injury <laughs> <laughs> just you can see what he's thinking yeah. but again just so horrible so I'm sure again there's not too many of the stuff that I've said that have, have yet come back to bite me but the longer you go on, it's just inevitable. But the, the thing is, the thing that comforts me is I'm, I'm in very good company. There's some really established broadcasters here who've made absolutely horrendous errors. So, yeah, I, I'm, I feel a lot better about the mistakes I make. Chinch, we get paid danger money. If you're we gonna, do. If you're going to talk non-stop for 90 minutes, mm. the chances are occasionally you're going to say something a little bit daft. Yeah. Usually without even realising. You know the words, and you can see how you want them to come out, but sometimes they just... Don't come out. Can I just explain the the lone striker being a two man? No, no, no. I won't. I won't. I won't. I won't. I won't. Before, um, what I might suggest is that everybody listen to Andy Hinchcliffe's uh, future commentaries with a forensic attention that allows you to pick out any I'm, possible mistake. There was actually one comment I read when I was up. I didn't do many interviews, but there's one. This is probably why I didn't do interviews. I'm sh apparently it was reported. I said our consistency is all over the place. No, was it our inconsistency? is all over the place. Which which would it be? Consistency or inconsistency? They're both wrong, Chinch. <laughs> They're both badly wrong, aren't they? I would say that it's the start of yet another new feature for Set Piece Menu. <laughs> Chinch balls. Chinch balls. We are overladen with features. Uh, you'll be struggling for content. You, you'll, you'll, you you'll be will lucky. be struggling we'll for content. we time before there's a chance for anybody to fill that particular mm. gap. Um, if you have any chinch balls, I'm wondering if Private Eye might have trademarked that. Uh, soccer <laughs> stories, or indeed out-of-context reacher passages, and today was a belter that will be hard to beat. Send them to setpiecemenu at gmail.com. You can also get in touch via Twitter or Facebook. Please subscribe, share, rate, and review as we humbly ask you to to continue to find room for us in your podcast schedule. Don't forget to buy your ticket, tickets, the whole room, for our live show. A 100th episode spectacular is on November the 13th. Manchester Podcast Festival website is where you need to go to get your tickets. If they've already sold out by the time this pod goes to air, I can only apologise and admit to underestimate you all wildly. In the meantime, thanks to Steve, Rory and Andy and to you all for listening. We'll be back with another set piece many for you to enjoy very soon indeed. Do private eye not spend enough time defending themselves in court to be worried with taking us to court <laughs> over sort of basically redistributing their idea? The litigation budget at, at private eye, I imagine, is the largest section of their entire budget. Talk about the live pod. Will there be a reacher? There will be a reacher section, a reacher feature in there? Because I'm torn between the flying headbutt fight scenes and now I've read the, the sexier scenes i'm not sure we, we, we'll have to we'll have to gauge the audience and see which route we go down are you torn between violence and romance chinch uh most people are you, you basically is there going to be an aggressive or blue vibe in the room is that what you're going to or be go go or go both ways i think we, we cater for, for for everybody in there and, and go with a fight scene and also some uh, some harsh love making